Oh yeah. Welcome to the Theta Gang Podcast, the official podcast at ThetaGang.com. I'm your host, Junie, and thanks for tuning in. These are only my opinions and anything opinion. Anything said in this podcast and future podcast should not be considered financial advice. I have stock positions in Visa, Apple, Twitter, and NVIDIA. Thanks. All right. Um, I hope everyone is doing all right during this quarantine. I hope all of you are staying at home. Um, you know, if you got to work at work in healthcare, I understand. If you got to, you know, do go to your part-time job to make those hours to pay rent, I understand. Um, otherwise, yeah, really right now we're just trying to flatten the curve. Uh, I'm sure most of y'all know what that already means. I do not need to give you a science lecture on a podcast. I feel like many other people are doing that now already. Um, but yeah, just I hope everyone has the right mindset um, in this quarantine. I just hope everyone isn't, you know, hoarding toilet paper is not um, buying all the food that they can possible. In fact, I just uh, saw on Twitter that Costco is banning uh, refunds on toilet paper, rice, and other some of the other stuff like hand sanitizer, which is a good move. Um, you know, if you have extra from buying and hoarding from Costco, maybe incentivizes you to donate it somewhere. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm hopeful that this will subside. You know, maybe in like a year. Or maybe even two years, but I know uh, deep down that we'll all be okay at the end of this. So let's just get on with the episode. Okay, um, moving along, I just want to bring up an email that I got that I thought was pretty cool. Um, it was sent to me from a guy named Carl. Sent it to me March sixteenth, uh, six days ago from the recording of this podcast, which today is the twenty second, uh, a Sunday. It's raining outside. It sounds pretty nice. Um, he mentions that he was up 2,000% on a put, and then he held on a little bit too long, uh, and then it dropped down to maybe like 100% up. Um, so that's like a difference of like 50 bucks or 500 bucks for that one option, right? Um, and so he told himself that, what would Juni do? Uh, and then he gave himself a exit price point that he'd be happy at if it did go back up so he told himself basically when that put was worth $500 that he'd sell it or aka when it's up 300% he'd sell it right you know I always advocate when you guys listen to this podcast uh, you know you should always have your profit triggers in place you should be always um, open to uh, having a exit price that's lower than your uh, entry too because you maybe you don't want to lose everything that you put in um, but anyway uh, he said that just because he lost that two thousand percent and then reflected on it uh, he would have normally um, held on to it until expiration that where it could have potentially just expired worthless um, he instead sold at a profit uh, and exited at three hundred percent. And then later that day, I replied to him saying like, wow, awesome job. And guess what? Futures are limit up tonight. And they were in fact limit up. And so his put would have easily been um, probably still in the green, but nowhere near 300%. So that was a good adjustment on him. Sometimes you have to realize when you're chasing like the paper, like when you're really, really chasing it, that's when you're going to get burned the most. You have to just have a level head at all times and make sure that, um, you're never over leveraging uh, any one position 
to make out like or make good for a mistake right like it was a mistake not taking it out at 2000 percent but retrospect is 2020 you know i'm sure that when it was up 2000 percent, he thought hey what's another like 100 percent or another like thousand percent on top of this right um it's easy to get in that mentality and that's why i always always advocate for triggers but if you catch yourself that maybe say you forgot a trigger or you know you chose to not put a trigger you should absolutely have that one magical number where like if it ever reaches this percentage you're just out like if i see a thousand percent i am out no matter what it, i will never hold the position past thousand percent i'll just choose to rather uh, take it off the table collect the money and then maybe like take a day or two off of the market or just in other trades and then maybe get in the position again for cheaper in case if you know iv dies out maybe the trade goes sideways for a little bit um, you never know um, but it does help putting like your profit loss in your hands right you're not at the will of the market you know the say you're uh, you made some gains on a put and the market rallies a little bit because, you know, um, trial numbers are out and people are getting better. Well, then you're going to be mad that people are getting better while your 2,000% put value is going down, right? So just check yourself before you wreck yourself. That type of mentality will tilt you beyond belief and you will buy so many puts to make up for that difference of P&L that you lost out on. And that's when you will blow up. But everyone blows up once, or at least once. Uh, and from that moment on, you're a better trader. But until that happens, you're more than likely <laughs> going to let your emotions run over you in any one trade. And I feel like I just want to make sure that I just say this enough for when that moment happens, um, you know, you just maybe might remember one of these podcast episodes and go a little bit less. But you'll still get burned but just a little bit less than you would have normally if you weren't listening to this podcast. So that's my little rant for uh, the first section of the episode. All right. Um, one last section in the weekly plays. You might have noticed that um, in my disclaimer earlier in the episode that I'm no longer long on target. Um, this is the part of the episode where I uh, unneedingly say that I'm real uh, too many times. <laughs> And so, uh, yeah, I'm real. So I'm going to go and talk about that. Okay. Um, so let's go and talk about what uh, happened uh, and how I got here. Um, so I was selling puts for the longest time. Uh, it was working really well during the bull run. Obviously, the bull run is over. Um, but I did make sure that when I started the wheel... Uh, that I did the wheel, not on companies that just offered good volatility, but companies that I believed in. Um, and just because this is now part of my long portfolio, uh, I feel more than comfortable uh, th at getting these uh, stocks assigned at the prices that they were assigned at. So I got Visa, 100 shares at uh, 200, Apple, 100 shares at 300, Twitter, 100 at 3250, and NVIDIA, 100 shares at 300. So obviously, if you take a quick look, especially since futures are limit down right now, um, if you wake up on Monday, tomorrow, and you're listening to this, and you're looking at this current stock price and the prices that I got signed at, you're pretty much like, yikes, that sucks. 
Um, and I do agree, it sucks. And this is one of the points that I always like to make is that you gotta always account for max loss. Uh, for example, short puts uh, during the bull run, they were so profitable. Like you were just hitting 50% triggers like every other day. It was really, really good. Um, and you could get carried away with them enough to where maybe you uh, sell more than you can actually afford if they were to get assigned. I can easily imagine someone like looking up what Theta Gang is on Wall Street Bets, and then someone's like, "Wow, volatility is so high. Just sell, just sell calls or sell puts. It's easy money." And then someone's like, "Dang, I only got a thousand dollars in my account. Hmm, what can I do?" to get a margin account. And so maybe they'll scavenge up another $1,000 and they'll sign up for the first margin account that they can. And then that's going to let them sell a naked put or like a naked call. Now let's just take, for example, um, this N NVIDIA play, right? Like if you had sold the NVIDIA 300 put like I did and got assigned, you would technically be down $10,000 like or, or like $9,500. Um, and that's a lot of money to some people, especially if you are a new trader that you know only wanted to do this for fun, and you know you thought maybe selling options was the right option for you or the right strategy for you. Um, then yeah, this assignment would blow you up. You probably wouldn't be able to afford holding onto the shares. You'd sell them for a loss, and then now you're owing basically probably like ninety five hundred to your uh, your broker, right? But because I started the wheel knowing that like my bankroll was okay, that if the catastrophic thing happened of it getting assigned at a really big loss, that I'd still be okay, that I'm okay. So right now I'm holding on to all these shares. What I'm gonna be looking to do is lowering my break even and then selling covered calls when I see that the implied volatility is appropriate and that I see like a continued downtrend. Like all of these things are going to be going through my head. Uh, I will be posting on Patreon about for my patrons. Um, but I just wanted to give one big update because um, I feel like that's that's like my core principle. I like to really share um, what happens in my trading career. Uh, you know, I like to share what happens on the website. I like to share all these things about me that I want to just make sure that you know it's properly documented somewhere. Where like you know if the stock market started going up. Uh, that like, you know, there's some record of me owning up to my losses when I had losses. Um, but of course, it's also not a loss until you sell. So I technically own 300 shares of NVIDIA that, yeah, I bought at $300 each. Right now it's sitting at 205 each, but I still own the shares. So as long as it eventually goes back up there, someday it will be fine. And I'm not planning to touch this portfolio or at least withdraw from it for quite some time. Um, but looking back at the disclaimer, uh, the reason why I don't have Target anymore specifically is not because I don't believe in the stock. I still think Target is better. Um, well, no, I'd say that Walmart and Target both have their pros and cons. Uh, right now, I really like Walmart because of the free cash flow, but I'm just not very bullish on uh, retail right now. Um, just because some people are getting laid off. It's all this anecdotal feeling like it's this There's no real logic behind it other than like I just don't really want to be invested into retail right now I feel like the growth trajectory of retail is gonna be a lot uh, slower um, than for say like tech companies um, Because I don't know I feel like just 
tech has like a larger multiple uh, than retail. So on this bounce that will inevitably happen, whether if it's short term or long term, I'd rather be going into tech. So I sold my target shares uh, to help uh, me uh, lower my cost basis by putting that money into more Visa, Apple, Twitter, or NVIDIA. These are my four core stocks that I'll be uh, mainly investing in until the break-evens are somewhat decent, and then I'll start looking at other companies that I liked before. Right now, just as a you know, just as a, uh, a status update on Becky, Becky has been getting destroyed. Um, Disney is really low right now. Match is doing really bad. Uh, so is Starbucks. Uh, Target is not again not doing so hot. Um, and it's really just it, Lulu too. Like everything that was just so bullish last year on Becky is not holding up during this uh, this little crash that we're having. It is a little dip, whatever you guys want to call it. So it's scary. Um, it's absolutely scary. Uh, but it does feel good that uh, I have a few friends of mine uh, that are now starting to invest because they've been waiting for this moment. Um, but it is also really funny uh, them investing and then like <laughs> it's ever since they started they ask me questions every morning like wow why is the stock market keep going down i thought this was supposed to make me money not lose me money <laughs> it's just like this is this is the name of the game and as soon as you get uh jaded to the market the better you will do when you stop caring that it goes down three percent today and up a percent tomorrow and then three percent down the next day as soon as you don't care about that you will own the market. You just need to continue to put in money uh, to lower your cost basis on all your stocks, whether if you're on Betterment or Wealthfront or maybe uh, Vanguard, anything. Just make sure you know your auto deposits are set on. Well, auto. De oh, just make sure you have an auto deposit on, because um, you don't want to be picking and choosing when you lower your cost basis. You want to do it mathematically and all the way down. But that's an episode for later. So I hope that was a good um, summary of why I'm holding Visa, Apple, NVIDIA, and Twitter. You can read more of my reasoning and everything to do with that on thetagang.com slash Juni. Like I always say, um, my trades that are closed will always be public. Um, you can just go there right now. You don't have to be a patron or anything. But my currently open trades are only available for patrons. Um, and I will be now that I'm holding long stock, like a good bunch of long stock. Uh, I'm going to be posting more uh, patron exclusive articles, um, telling people what my reasonings are for, uh, say, buying more of this right now or you know, selling a covered call for this right now um, and plans for the week, etc. Uh, it's going to be a different change of pace from the bull run that we had uh, earlier this year and the, and the end of last year. Um, but this is a learning moment for me uh, and my patrons and just for everyone listening on the podcast. I think the sentiment um, from me being optimistically cautious, uh, uh, you know, just a few months ago has become just cautious now. Uh, and I'm just trying to, um, you know, trade today so I could trade tomorrow. Um, that's just something that I will always want to protect because this is a very fun hobby for me and that's all it ever will be. Um, you know, I don't do this for the money. I don't do this for the fame. I don't do this for any of that stuff. I just find this genuinely fun 
and uh, I like to keep it that way. As soon as this stops being fun, I promise, uh, yeah, there would be no more episodes, no more training service, no more ThetaGaming.com. But it's still fun to me now, so thanks. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, nothing much for the new website updates other than I think people really like the streak feature. Um, on my Google Analytics, uh, there are, have been 20% more people logging in and just like visiting the page uh, every day of the week um, since last Sunday. So I'm pretty sure it's not because of the market or anything. Uh, I hoped that it's the streak feature, and uh, yeah, there's just a lot of people uh, currently still on there with a seven-day streak, um, just because that's when it first got released. So uh, <laughs> you guys are basically competing against me because I go on the site every day. So let's see how how far we can make this go. I'd imagine that when you get past a hundred, you get some sort of achievement because I'm pretty sure achievements would be out by the time that happens. Mm, you know, give or take 93 days three months yeah i could probably do it um but besides that besides you know more people just being on the site in general um people have been emailing me about how when they upload trades that it takes a while um the spinner will go on for a little bit before it submits and sadly and uh well kind of happily it's because there's too many people on there um you know like i always say in my podcast thetagain.com was just a project to me um, when I first started, uh, and so I didn't do any of the front-end optimizations that I wanted to just because this was supposed to be something really quick for me to like just go in, edit a few things, and push it up and deploy it, um, but it's evolved way more than that, and so I've slowly been refactoring a few things to make developing faster, but also make rendering a little bit easier on your browser, um, so that's underway. I'm still waiting on some UX changes from uh, my UX guy, and then um, oh, this is this is huge. We've crossed three thousand people. Like I think that's super sick. I we're growing faster than ever, which is also kind of scary. So I'm begging you guys and girls, please, like don't spread this on Wall Street Bets. Don't spread this, or you can spread it on Twitter maybe. I don't know, but don't do it in a way where it's like join this dope community because we we do things blah 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 blah. Like you notice, like if I ever talk about thetagang.com on uh, Twitter, like where I only talk about you know thetagang, um, you'll notice that I never say, "Hey, come join this group. We're we're dope." I mean, I know we're dope, but like I don't like tell people to join. Um, I might show you guys off once in a while because I'm proud of you know, why I built and, you know, the community that we've built all together. Um, that is just super sick. But I don't want this project to become so big where it's just like a bunch of random people. You, I, w I would really love if you guys and girls kept it almost to yourselves and closer friends that you know are cool, um, that are nice and just genuine. Uh, I know I'm asking for a lot because it's basically just open to the internet and just like, bunch of random people 
but much like you know just what we're going through right now and you just want to be surrounded by like positive people people that's not gonna rip you for doing maybe like a trade that they wouldn't do or you know you just want to make sure that the people that are on website uh you know are the type of people that you want to interact with every day because i look at stock twits for a given ticker one day because maybe uh, i just want to see why maybe the price dipped at a certain time and it's just so so sad seeing going on to maybe like you know symbol slash apple on stock twits and you're and you just see uh bears are stupid <laughs> look at this dip <laughs> and you see bulls saying oh power hour at 4 30 go yuck it's just like it's so bad it's so bad it's just it's just boomers basically talking about the stock price and arguing with each other because they're because their kids aren't calling them enough yes this is a PSA to call your parents. <laughs> Got him. Call your mom. Call your dad. Serious. They really miss you. Okay, uh, that about wraps it up for the new website updates. Um, just expect more updates next week um, as I get better at working from home on Theta Gang and uh, my job. Um, just because at my job, I used to at least leave at 5 o'clock and then get home, go to jiu-jitsu, and then work out on it at night. But now, working from home is kind of like just blending in uh, to the rest of my day, and I'm just like working longer than ever, uh, which is a very bad habit, uh, and it's kind of stressing me out. But I'm going to do better uh, about that this week. So expect more changes next week, um, and yeah, thanks. All right, um, so today's topic, slippage, is one of the easier um, like concepts to grasp that I'd say when you're selling options or buying options. It, it's really analogous. It's just like a core concept that you should understand. And it kind of you know uh, has to deal a little bit with open interest and volume as well. So we'll all just talk about all that very casually um, because you know I know as soon as I say intrinsic or extrinsic, you guys and girls start to fall asleep um, just because, you know, I might have explained it before on a previous episode, but just using those words and you have to use your brain to, like, remember what it was and all this good stuff. Like, just trust me, this episode is going to be one of the easier episodes to listen to. Um, but, yeah, let's just get started. Um, so slippage is basically the difference uh, of the bid and ask prices of the contracts. And so you want to basically trade um, options uh, that have very low slippage. Like if the bid and ask uh, for a $100 call for Apple, uh, if the bid was like uh, 105 and the ask was 110, that would be a 0.05 uh, difference between the two, right? Because you take 105 plus 05 and you get 110 um, that is considered pretty low slippage I'd say um, but like say for example you trade something that doesn't have quite as high volume uh, maybe like I don't know like Fitbit or Tiffany's jewelry like some some company that doesn't get traded that often or traded in large amounts 
then slippage is going to be larger. Um, say, for example, you know, Tiffany's also trading at 100. Um, maybe the uh, price of the call, the bid and ask is instead of 105 and 110 like it was for Apple, maybe it's like 80 and 120 and the slippage is 0.40. Now, you're probably thinking, uh, Junie, what does this have to do with anything? Yeah, I get it. It's just a difference between the bid and ask. Stop talking. I want you to just tell me strikes and expirations. Give me some good calls, BB. Uh, no, you, this is something you absolutely need to learn because if you learn this, then when you look up uh, some of these plays that people are suggesting on Wall Street Bets, uh, you're more knowledgeable. You got Juni in your tool belt, um, and you can uh, you know do some DD on your own or some due diligence on your own and determine if that's a, actually a good play or not. Now. Let's just talk about the what causes the slippage, right? Let's why is Apple theoretically at 0.05 slippage, and um, say Tiffany's jewelry is 0.40 slippage. This has to do with price discovery. It also has to do with open interest slash volume. So you can imagine if there are a million people uh, in the world or in this tiny room. Um, this is probably not the best contextual uh, example for the Corona stuff. But anyway, if there were a million people crammed in a room trading stocks, okay, um, every everyone say like trades uh, Apple because everyone wants to own Apple. So when it comes to when you want to buy Apple, um, if you have more people that you can go to that have Apple, they will compete to sell it to you at a at a better price, right? So Theoretically, if there are more people in the room, then you would be able to buy it for cheaper. Now, you also have to realize that other people want to buy Apple too, and so then that also makes the price more expensive. So this price discovery is the bid and ask basically fluctuating um, due to supply and demand. It's very, very basic stuff, but this will hammer it home where if you want to consistently follow a style, say for example, theta gang strategies, um, you have to consistently trade tickers that have low slippage. If you are constantly getting into a position, like say for example, Tiffany's, um, it's easy to look at the contract and say, wow, I can sell this call and get 120. Like, cause you know, it, the, the bid and ask was 0.80 and 120. It's easy to think like, hey, I can sell this call for 120 um, and then like exit for 0.80. Uh, but that's not how it works. Um, like, for example, uh, if you want to say, you know, enter a position, uh, you're never going to get in or not. I wouldn't say never, but it'd be very difficult to get in at the very lowest price that you want to get it in for. And it'd also be hard to sell something or enter a short position at the highest price possible because that's good for when you're short something. Um, and so what would more likely, what would most likely happen is if you put a mid order in where you just put an order from, if you were, if the bid was 0.80 and uh, the ask was 120, then you'd more than likely just put in a dollar for your uh, limit order or your market order. I, I don't know. You probably you probably get it somewhere around a dollar. Um, but this is not that great when it comes to exiting your position. 
because when you exit your position, you're going to get the least favorable price, right? That's just how the market works. You're not going to get out at the absolute lowest price you possibly can. You absolutely can't get at the highest price you possibly can. So at least when there's low slippage like Apple, you're more in control of where you actually get out. Um, now, it makes sense to say maybe do a limit order all the time, but where this uh, logic is just not as true as you think it is, is when uh, you have very high slippage. Now, it's easy to think like, hey, uh, I could enter this position and then you know maybe I'll sell it for a profit at this price. Now, this price isn't always going to be the price that you want or the price that you expect because the reason why slippage is large is because uh, there's not enough people trading it. If there were a lot of people trading a contract or a particular stock, then the slippage is gonna be lower. So then that means when you actually execute your order or you know put your order out into the market, there's a good chance it's going to be executed some, some price between uh, your bid and ask. Um, when you decide to do a limit order or a limit sell uh, on a, a stock that has a high slippage, meaning like the 0.80 or 120 example, uh, not only are you at risk of getting it filled at a horrible price if you do a market order, but maybe you don't do a market order, maybe you do a limit order, then you're still subject to it not filling at all. So what happens is if there's not enough people selling the contract, um, and you're just somewhere in the middle between 0.80 and point, uh, 1.2, you're not going to get it filled. Uh, you're going to have to exit out for an even worse price than you originally thought you would have, uh, and that's going to skew your profit loss estimates going forward. So it's something that I don't push that often just because it's a little bit more technical than I like to get um, on the podcast um, is just like, you know, when someone comes up to me and asks, like, how do you start trading options, especially like my real life friends, I don't talk about slippage. But, you know, as we are talking about more and more just about brokers, our favorite brokers, um, it's easy to discredit uh, brokers like Robinhood. Uh, I still think they are an awesome broker, especially for a first time investor. I just think they make everything very um user-friendly if you're a casual investor especially you should absolutely use Robinhood. i don't even have a referral code and i'm referring them if you are just a very average investor um, however if you are uh, a very heavy trader like if you love trading if you do it as a hobby like i do um, I am heels overhead, head over heels <laughs> for Tastyworks, um, and my referral code is ThetaGang, no spaces, all caps, again, ThetaGang, uh, and I'll go and set you up some perks. If you do, you end up using it. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, I feel like a lot of people give a lot of poop to Robinhood uh, for bad fill orders. Um, but what I also uh, think is that people are trying to execute trades at bad prices on non-popular stock as well. Like, can you imagine if someone was trying to trade uh, like biofarm companies and complaining that they didn't get the best bid price or the best ask price? Uh, yeah, that just doesn't hold true. That That's not a very... 
a good complaint because that is not on the broker. It is in fact on you for trading a low volume stock that has large slippage. So just be careful of where you hear people's opinions from. Um, and uh, yeah, you just wanna make sure that you're getting the proper sources. All of this stuff is of course relevant to the coronavirus stuff. Just make sure your uh, sources are credible. You're just getting them from the CDC or the World Health Organization. And uh, yeah. Okay. Um, every episode, I like take a moment and pause, and then I just think about the topic or the segment that I just recorded, and I take a uh, like a first person analysis of what I might be asking myself if I were in your shoes. Um, and I couldn't really think of any of the, hey, Judy, but what about this? And I couldn't think about any of those questions. Um, but I thought I'd just reiterate uh, what slippage means and its relation to volume just one more time. So if volume is high, if there's a lot of people uh, trading this specific contract or maybe this specific stock, slippage should be low. That's because there are a lot of people selling and there are a lot of people buying. Therefore, the bid and ask should be relatively close to each other as the buyers and sellers agree on a price that they determine the contract to uh, truly be. Now, if there are maybe like five people in the entire world trying to trade this biofarm company, um, then <laughs> there's only like two bids or the volume of the contract or the open interest, maybe five, then the bid and ask is going to be very, very wide apart because what happens is there's not that many people on that contract. So the people that are trying to sell it are going to try to be selling it for a lot. Maybe like I'm one of the biofarm people that are selling the contract and I want to be paid $600 for the contract where if you wanted to go in and there weren't that many people buying it, um, then you're like, well, I don't wanna buy it for $600, but you know, if you want, if you want, I'll buy it for $200. So that makes a $400 gap or hundred or $400 worth of slippage there. Uh, and you wanna stay away from those contracts, right? There, this slippage thing gets really apparent when you go further and further out the money as well. So be careful of buying out the money contracts that have very high slippage because you will get wrecked if the sellers in those in that volume exit, especially if you're on the buy side. Um, so th that's, that's all I really have to say. Um, you just want to be trading companies that have lots of volume uh, that will help your trading immensely it's way easier to follow news on bigger companies and it's easier to follow the macro trends on bigger companies. Uh, just make sure whatever you're trading has a good amount of volume. And I'm not talking about penny stock volume because those are penny stocks for a reason. I'm talking about good volume on blue chip stocks or good nameable stocks that everyone knows. Um, so keep your slippage low, trade high volume contracts and you'll see yourself winning a lot more often, especially if you're not doing it already. Thanks.
all right that about wraps it up uh i was gonna mention that there was one fifty dollar tier uh available on patreon uh but <laughs> as i was recording this episode someone went up and signed for it so congrats benjamin you swooped up on a earlier tier um yeah, Patreon, the 20 30 40 50 60 tier are all sold out. There is only the $80 and $100 tier. Um, like I mentioned before, um, all of my closed trades will always be public. I will never hide those. Um, it's only my currently open trades that my patrons have access to, and they also have access to the Discord where they can ask all the questions they could possibly want. A lot of patrons do. um and then there is the patron exclusive uh you know weekly reports that i do um or i say like bi-weekly almost um and then you also get a flare message on the banner um and twitter alerts so all that super cool stuff is available on patreon uh at patreon.com slash theta gang you can follow me on twitter at real theta gang you can email me literally anything uh, at juni at thetagain.com. I love hearing all of your like trade journey stories, uh, site improvements, site bugs. Mr. Chauncey, you are doing awesome. Thank you so much for all your feedback. Um, and then you can go and support me uh, by using the Thetagain referral code. As mentioned earlier in this podcast episode, um, you can go to Tastyworks, decide to sign up, and in the referral code section, you can type in Thetagain, one word, all caps, and then email me on the 15th or around the 15th of every month and I could go and set you up with the perks. Um, just going down the list, I want to give a, an extended shout out uh, to, oh my goodness, this list is so long. <laughs> uh, Lifesaver, Raj, uh, France, Mike D, Slow Motion, Nick Fires, Underbridge, Floyd Wayne, Rico, String Puller, Option Newbie, Dad, The Iron Man, Mitch Brady, Talos, Indigo Chile, Good Job, Wilson, DDS says, Siriums, Option Options, Eric Kirkland, Jimmy, Matt W, Associate K, Abel, Ryzen, TCR, 94. I should do the Pokemon rap with these songs. That'd be so sick. Maybe I'll hire a guy on Fiverr to do it. Oh my. Oh yeah. Ah, that sounds pretty spicy. Okay. Monkey48, like Havis, uh, Angry Penguin, Andrew E.C. Kim, Anthony511, Moose Ninja, Rolex C, Deep Gif, Menno Dum Dum. I always forget how to pronounce it really quickly. Ground Pound95, HP Larry, Leo Jetson, Van Trader, El Finco, Make More 2. Silent Viking, Mark James It, Just Send It, Nathan Del Silva, Simon Says, Vicious Poultry, VDM10, Bat Trader, Chicken Dinner. Nah, you guys rhyme. Uh, Fox624, Cowabunga Dude, Sengyun, Alls Joss, uh, Spicy Tendies, Daft Mac, Jack Jew, uh, Desencha, Sabatka, Mr. Dr. Son Goku, Kate, Lord Skeletor, Cheddar, and Cappuccino. Wow. Yeah, this. I say it every time. It baffles me how many people are supporting the website and the podcast. Oh, and uh, hoodies are done. Uh, they're currently being printed, and uh, they should be shipped out maybe in like a week and a half whenever I receive them. I'm going to be printing the print or the uh, shipping labels very soon, so I hope you guys don't think it's going to be shipped uh, that soon, but they will be shipped, um, and I'm looking to make the Autism Speaks donation uh, in roughly probably like two weeks. I'll mention on the podcast again when it happens. Um, but again, thank you, everyone, guys and girls, um, so much for the opportunity to give you the best Fintwit solution that everyone's been hopefully looking for because it definitely is feeling like the one that I've always wanted. So, um, yeah, 
Thanks.